0: No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And good day, everybody. Welcome. To episode 130 of the Talking Friars podcast. Ben Fadden, your host here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch on YouTube, whether it's on replay or you're watching live with me, coming along with me in the comments section right now. I appreciate it. Episode 130, like I mentioned, it is sponsored by Gaglione Bros, Famous tea steaks and Subs, located in Point Loma, located in, sport, in the Sports Arena, also located at Petco Park on April 14th in the Padres' home opener, and the rest of the season at Petco Park. Down the third baseline by the Bally Sports San Diego booth in the upper deck, uh, they have a garlic fry stand uh, on the field level behind home plate. So anyone who wants a great meal, go gaglionbros.com to view their full menu and their locations the phone numbers to contact them if you have any questions or, and yeah they're the sponsor of this episode appreciate their support and I appreciate your guys' support hit us, hit me up in the comment section or uh, at TalkingFriars on Twitter, on Instagram uh, YouTube in the comment section if you're watching our replay or anything like that as well I love being interactive with you guys Uh, So, feel free to hit me up. What's up, Adam? How's it going tonight? Today, we got a lot to discuss. Uh, I recorded episode 129 this morning, so hopefully you were able to listen or watch that about Mackenzie Gore uh, and my thoughts on his first spring training outing. I kind of thought that he didn't do as great as, in terms of his control, his command, as a lot of fans were saying that he, that he did. Some fans were talking about it and saw the two innings and no runs allowed, the no walks, and they were like, oh, McKenzie did great. And he did great results-wise, but I think he would tell you, I think Ruben Niebla would tell you, and I'm telling you, that I think that he has room to improve in his control and his command. And if he doesn't, then I don't think he'll make the Major League roster uh, because he was throwing strikes yesterday, And that's great and all, but he was throwing strikes where Austin Nola didn't have his glove, if that makes sense. And when you're facing the Dodgers lineup with Freddie Freeman and Max Muncie and Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner and Will Smith and A.J. Pollock and Chris Taylor, just a loaded lineup. If you continue to throw strikes where Austin Nola or your catcher doesn't want you to throw them and they end up being over the heart of the plate. It's still a strike, right, Ben? Well, that's still going to get mashed because it's not where it's supposed to be. So that that's pretty much what I was thinking there. Um, but again, gave my thoughts on the Luke Void deal as well because I was working on Friday, so I didn't give my full thoughts. I gave that this morning on episode 129. So if you want to listen or watch that, go ahead there. Uh, just waiting a little bit for some more people to come into this, this live stream. But we can get started now uh, talking about, obviously, Ron Fowler, the big news. I didn't see it talked about a whole lot um, on Twitter or anything like that because Peter Seidler is the main control person now. But I, it is – I mean, he he and Seidler are the two main owners of the Padres, or were. And so that's still a big – that's still big news for me at least, I think. Uh, we have that. We have Luis Campesano and CJ Abrams performing well today against the Cubs. Uh, In Mesa, that was a home game for the Cubs Uh, Valley Sports San Diego had the game on But it wasn't Mud and Dawn Uh, But it was on 97-3 the fan Obviously with Jesse and Tony Like it is every game Uh, So we'll talk about that We'll talk about Jorge Soler Going to the Miami Marlins uh, In a move That kind of was expected In terms of the San Diego Padres Not being interested anymore in him When they added Voight Just because of payroll And that they had eight little over $8 million left in room, luxury tax room before hitting that $230 million value before they would get taxed, before Sidler would get taxed. So I didn't think that they were going to bring him in, especially obviously on the deal that ended up happening, the AAV, that the Marlins are going to end up giving Soler or ending up having that amount of money go towards their uh, luxury tax payroll threshold money. Um, so. It's not surprising and we'll get to that signing as well. We'll get to a a couple of uh, interesting, surprising signings as well around the league. There were three that kind of stuck out a little bit to me that we'll get to. Uh, But first, let's start off with today's spring training game, kind of a little post-game show here. I know you're not going to see very many post-game shows out there, but I figured why not? Let's talk about it Uh, because hopefully there's a lot of diehard fans in here as well and even casual fans. It's interesting, I think, to catch you up on the top prospects as well. Uh, but first, let's just start off with happening in the game. The Padres lost 5-4 to four to the Cubs. I mean, no one cares about the final score. It's a spring training game. It doesn't matter. Obviously, this was Saturday's game for anyone that's listening or watching, maybe on a Sunday morning or something like that. I appreciate it, but this was Saturday's game, March 19th. Uh, Luis Camposano homered in the fourth inning. CJ Abrams uh, had a laser single to center field in the third. He also homered to right in the fifth. We'll get to Cambisano and Abrams' home runs. Um, CJ Abrams finished two for three at the plate, two RBIs, and a stolen base. It's not going to say a stolen base in the box score because it wasn't, but he was called out. But I, he, I think he was safe. Um, Trace Thompson, center, he was. I think he was batting cleanup this game because it's on the road. They don't have their A squad in there at all. Um, But Trace Thompson robbed a home run in center. I don't think he's probably more of like a triple-A guy. Luis Liberato homered as well for San Diego. Reese Kinnear started on the mound, went two innings, gave up one run, one hit, one walk, three strikeouts. Uh, He's more like a minor league depth option as well because a lot of guys are coming back. So he's definitely not at the top of the list in terms of guys that would make the roster. Nabil Crismat, I think, might make the roster. I think if he has a good spring training, I think that he should make the roster, uh, especially after last year, how valuable he was to the team last year. He went one inning, didn't give up a run, one hit, no walks, two strikeouts. Hobby Guerra, man, he's really struggling. Uh, definitely struggling out of the gate here. Obviously was a former infielder, former shortstop that came over in the Craig Kimbrell deal a while ago when Padres traded Kimbrell to the Red Sox. Kimbrell obviously went and won the World Series eventually with them. But Guerra switched to pitching a few years ago. One inning, he gave up three runs, uh, four hits, no walks, one strikeout. Daniel Camarena, or Daniel Slamarena as a lot of people like to call him, one and two-thirds innings, one run. Three hits, one walk, two strikeouts. So that was pretty much the main pitching lines that fans like recognizable names that people even care about. Uh, the Padres will play Milwaukee tomorrow on Sunday. And then they'll play Colorado Monday at the Guardians of you know Cleveland. The new guard that's their new name. Uh, they'll play them Tuesday, and then they'll play the Angels on Wednesday before having their only off day of their spring training slate. Obviously, they have an off day on april 6th the day before they start their regular season at arizona against the arizona diamondbacks uh but that's on uh thursdays they're only off day 18 games and 19 days in the uh spring training slate but talking about obviously the main two thing, main two big prospects that have big game big games today luis campesano and cj abrams there's a lot of people uh, let's start with Camposano, actually. Uh, Bob Melvin has talked about, you know, Victor Caratini not catching Yu Darvish every single time around like the past couple years, uh, last few years, if you can't go back to the Cubs and all that. Uh, and Bob Melvin said, you know, Caratini, I, I think Bob Melvin's viewpoint is that he wants the best offensive catcher in there, the best catcher in there. And if it's not Caratini, then the Darvishes, the Musgroves, those guys, they're just going to have to get used to having someone else catch them. And my gut feeling is that Austin Noah will get a starting job to, you know, start out the season. Uh, But I think what he means with that Caratini non-guarantee of him catching Darvish and other guys, I think is maybe it's to motivate Caratini or something. Uh, But I think it's also hinting that, hey, A.J. Preller's looking around here, and if he wants to add a left fielder or something, and another team needs a catcher. They can do that. You know they're willing to do that. And Caratini might be the most likely to go. Maybe the Padres don't want to give up on Camposano yet. Uh, but with also with that said, Camposano is also I think expendable. I would like to keep Camposano, but if you're having to choose between let's say Camposano or Abrams, you're picking Camposano to to, to depart. I, personally, if you're picking between Robert Hassel III if, uh, or uh, Camposano, I'm picking Campisano to de depart. If I'm picking between Gore or Camposano, maybe I'd stick with Campisano over Gore, but it's still close because Gore has looked pretty good hitting 98-99 with his fastball on that backfield session we saw a couple weeks ago or a week ago, whenever that was, and then yesterday as well. Um, so maybe – they're willing to, you know, part with Campersano over those top three prospects. So I think he's expendable in that way. And maybe it's, you know, I think Campersano as well might just be a AAA guy start at AAA right now because you obviously, I think Corey Alfaro, obviously, he has more big league experience at Uh He can be a DH option if you need him to. And obviously with Campersano he's not the greatest defensive catcher. And he's been DH. He DH'd today. Uh, He did not catch. Um, So with Camposano being more defense-minded, and so that would lead you to believe he's a DH candidate, well, now that they acquired Luke Voigt, that's not really a big option now. He can still DH if, if Voigt's not playing or he's playing first and the Padres don't even want to DH Hosmer. But Voigt seems like to me, at least if I were the manager, if I were Bob Melvin, He'd be pretty much my everyday DH guy, and then you, and then an option is you think about having someone like, and I discussed this on episode 129 earlier this morning, is you have Kim at short, Abrams at second, Jay Crona at the first. If you don't want to play Hosmer at all, and you can have Voigt be the DH, because obviously Crona works probably a better defensive first baseman than Campisano is, or not Campisano, excuse me, than Voigt is, or Hosmer. So that's an option as well. Uh, that's that's what the lineup was today. Cronenworth didn't play first because he's a big guy. They don't they're not traveling to other ballparks. But in terms of the lineup configuration today, positionally with Abrams and Kim, Kim was at short, Abrams was at second. They were the top two guys in the order. Um, so I think that's a possibility defensively. Defensive, uh, you know, the lineup positionally. Um, but getting to Camposano, obviously, he is a power bat. I think he's attractive to a lot of clubs, and a lot of, and other clubs can use him as a DH as well as a DH option in a possible trade. Uh, but I'll share my screen here for the YouTube audience to show uh, Luis Camposano's home run. If anyone didn't see it, here it is. From earlier today against Jesse Chavez, who was on a minor, who's a he's on a minor league deal for the Cubs, uh, Sloan Parks where they were playing just deposits absolutely unloads on this ball into left center field, and it was funny that this I'm not playing this feed because it was just the Padres broadcast. Jesse and Tony they do a great job, but it wasn't the more interesting broadcast. It was the more interesting home run call here. Between campus on the Campusano home run was actually the Cubs TV network. I was watching that live on MLB.TV, TV, and let's just say that they didn't really have a home run call. Campano homered, and they acted like nothing happened. I think that was—I think it was Campano. That was the guy that homered. Uh, that home run call, if you want to call it that, I think they were either they were interviewing someone or they were talking about a certain player's uh, background on a certain, uh, Seiya Suzuki. I think they were talking about Seiya Suzuki uh, because he just signed with the Cubs, obviously. And so they were giving background on him and like latest updates on him. And while Campusano homer, they didn't even mention it. Like The reporter just kept talking right through. So, I know it's a Cubs broadcast, but like, uh, do you want to mention, hey, home run by Luis Camposano makes it a such and such game. They didn't even mention that, so I thought that was kind of weird, but Kebisano obviously homeward there. I don't think he's as much of a DH option making the big league roster uh, as much as he was, what was it, 48 hours, 72 hours ago uh, because of the Luke Voigt addition and he seems like the everyday DH now. But he definitely, if the Potters are entertaining trade proposals for him, trade talks, conversations with other teams, uh, him getting off on the right foot in spring training, I would think it would be help teams say okay this guy's the real deal hitting wise but we'll see you know i I think fans easily can react emotionally uh to the first two games in spring training someone hits a home run and they're like oh don't trade this guy opening day bound you know that type of thing uh i don't think the padres obviously are thinking that way you know i know it's a smaller sample size in spring training this year 18 games instead of you know, four weeks of games. Uh, but with that said, it's still only been two games for the Padres, and so this this home run they'll probably end up like forgetting about it. I think it's gonna they're gonna look at the big picture. These guys that are on the outside end, they're gonna have to have like a Fernando Tatis Jr. spring training that he had going into 2019. Uh, they're gonna have to have that type of spring training and a, a good kind of translation uh, transition here, they're going to have to kind of have a spring training that C.J. Abrams is having on pace for right now. And again, it's only been two games, but C.J. Abrams performed really well again today uh, against the Cubs, went two for three, drove in two runs. He had a stolen base, like I mentioned, but he was called out. There's no replay. Uh, but to me, and then the Cubs broadcast didn't help either. They didn't slow it down. They just went at it pretty much and, Pretty much full, fast, regular motion uh, because they probably knew that Abrams was safe. But uh, Amos he looked good. Power, obviously there's been talks about him bulking up a little bit, increasing strength, looking bigger, pa- more power. And as the years go along, I think he'll continue to look bigger and bigger and have more power. And for all those people, <clears throat> Jim Russell, uh, that said, uh, what, a couple weeks ago that brian reynolds was a six-win player i'd part with cj essentially saying i'd part with cj abrams in a heartbeat for brian reynolds well maybe slow your roll there uh, i was obviously i'm on the big cj train i don't classify myself on the cj abrams bandwagon because i was on the wagon before that you could call it a bandwagon uh, i believe i've believed in cj for a long time and i'm not hopping on the bandwagon i'd like been the leader of the bandwagon i feel like especially i've been stronger in being the bandwagon leader uh on the favor of keeping cj abrams in trades especially since that brian reynolds deal was being talked about and people saying "Uh, the padres are probably have to give up cj abrams would you give him up and and a lot of people i've seen people on twitter saying yeah i would give him up and i don't agree with that Look, he has the potential to be Brian Reynolds, I think, better than Brian Reynolds. And so to give him up when you could have him and another outfielder that you could get in a trade, I think that's probably smarter. Or you just have Tommy Pham for one year and you have Robert Hassel III come up and you can have C.J. and Robert Hassel III next season. You have C.J. come up sometime this season. I think that's just a better option. You have CJ for six years of control, which was uh, more than Reynolds. You have you don't have to pay him as much money because he's not a you know, guarantee He hasn't solidified himself as a big leaguer, so you're paying him the rookie salary, which has increased, but it's not five million dollars. It's less than a million dollars at first, so you're saving a little bit of money that way, and just CJ. He's, he has a potential to be a five tool player. He already has the speed, already has the arm. He's already good defensively. He already has the hit tool. You know, people want to say he's a slap hitter, but, I mean, call it what you want to call it. I don't care. The guy's worst batting average in the minors so far is 296. I think he's hitting 500 through two games in spring training. Again, I'm not going to overreact to two spring training games. That's just not who I am. I'm a realist. I look at things that are... I, I look to I, I like to look at the big picture. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but he did look good uh, for the YouTube audience. I'll share my screen here for you guys to watch the C.J. Abrams home run. Uh, hang on. Before we get to that, Gil says C.J. is going to hit. He's going to be a 33 30 player, mark my words. I don't know about this year because I don't, I don't know if he'll be called up at the beginning of the season and he, and he doesn't have that 30 home run power yet. But I do agree that if he bulks up, he can reach that. Abrams is a version of Tatis. Anthony Ritter says, I think he's a smaller version. Um, I think he's a lesser version. I don't think, hopefully injury luck, he won't. Um, well, maybe and some, some of it's not even injury luck. Let's just face it. It's just being dumb, like the motorcycle incident with Tatis. So I think Abrams won't suffer as many injuries as Tatis has, especially early in his career like this. And hopefully the subluxations and all that don't even happen. Uh, but I think he's a smaller version of Tatis. And I think he's i think he's probably... He, it'll be close. I think he has the potential to be faster than Tatis if he isn't already. Uh, Gil also says the uniform doesn't look as baggy on Abrams this time around. Yeah. And that's... They probably gave him the same size. And that just shows that he's really putting the work. Probably eating more a little bit. Um, and yeah, he... It's from reports that I've seen, he's actually getting even faster still while gaining weight. So, all signs point positive uh, towards CJ Abrams, you know, developing into that guy to improve power wise and really be that five tool player that I think he can be. So, here's the CJ Abrams home run uh, for the YouTube audience. Uh, Let's see if it can load here. My internet. For anyone that uh, watches uh, the wrap-up show with Jim Russell, I mean, this is me, Jim Russell. My internet right now—it's not great. Yeah, it's not responding here. Um, hopefully, you guys can still uh, see me on the YouTube stream. Uh, on the YouTube stream, let me know if you can, because um, I do. Want to definitely get to the Ron Fowler topic and get to uh, some more of the signings. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, it's still not responding. All right, so hopefully you guys can still see me. Again, CJ Abrams, two for three today. Drove in two runs. How does, he got called out on the stolen base, but I think he was safe. And my internet's still saying it's not responding. The live stream or the I'm trying to play the CJ Abrams home run for you guys, but you guys can look that up. Um, as for the next piece of news. So, and Abrams have big days. Ron Fowler, uh, he is gone. He is not an owner of the San Diego Padres anymore. That was the big news of today, uh, I, th- I think. I mean, C.J. Abrams lose Kampasano. They played well. But at the end of the day, it's one game. But Padres-wise, Ron Fowler, he was now a minority owner for the Padres uh, because Peter Seiler took over in November of 2020. Uh, but credit to Ron Fowler from the time that he was with the Padres. Obviously, Kevin Acy of the Union Tribune, came out today saying that Ron Fowler was no longer a Padres owner, um, and this was a little surprising considering that I knew he took a step back, uh, but he still—I still saw him at a few games last year, uh, sitting in his regular seats right by the dugout, and it seems like he was still, you know. Involved a little bit in the team, uh, but he wasn't involved in the uh, day, the full day-to-day operations of the team. Uh, and now he's not even a part of the organization anymore. Uh, it's not known. I do want to make it clear. It's not known who the stakes were sold to. Kevin Azy said that Ron Fowler doesn't have any more stakes in, in the team anymore. He's no longer a stakeholder in the Padres. Um, And I I think I know why or a part of why it contributed or why Fowler, part of the reason why Fowler is not with the Padres anymore, and we'll get to that. Uh, But see, he and Peter Seidler, for anyone that didn't know, they took over the team in 2012. Uh, He was, like I mentioned, uh, Ron Fowler was the majority owner during the 2020 season, that 2020 playoff uh, appearance. Um, And he was obviously here. You know, approved Preller being the rock star GM and making all those moves. Matt Kemp, James Shields, Justin Upton, BJ Upton, Melvin Upton Jr. When he—that's what he ended up being called. Craig Kimbrell, uh, Derek Norris, Will Minterbrook. He approved all those deals and approved Preller uh, to just go for it. Um, but obviously, that didn't work out, and he was the one that was the big, the head owner giving the contract to Eric Hosmer, eight years, one hundred forty-four million dollars. Uh, and that is obviously, um, that's hurt the organization long-term and definitely affected their chances to add a much higher impact left fielder. They haven't even added a left, added a left fielder, period. Um, and so the Hosmer contract, no doubt, has affected that. I know last year they were interested in getting Joey Gallo, but um, they, now they didn't really want to give up Robert Hassel III, but there were reports that, Contradicting, contradicting reports that they did want to give up him. They were okay with that, but the, Hos- the Rangers didn't want to take on that much of Hosmer's contract. Uh, so him being the head owner while that happened is definitely a stain on his, I guess, legacy. But at the same time, you do have to applaud him for being willing to give that money to Hosmer uh, just because, look that was obviously the biggest deal at the time in Padres history contract wise i mean will myers was 83 million i think and so that was like almost i mean a little less than double but much bigger increase in terms of the Padres franchise record for biggest contract handed out and that deal that they gave that he gave to hosmer as the owner it did whether you like it or not it did kind of shift the Padres into from their rebuild to okay we're still rebuilding but at least we're, go, we're ascending towards wanting to contend um, and it still it did whether you like it or not as well it made the Padres attractive to players like Manny Machado because they they had that big name all-star player on the roster um, I know that the Padres were pretty much bidding against themselves it's that's what it seems like because the Red Sox didn't really have uh, that big of interest, they went and got Mitch Moreland on a shorter term deal that was like a quarter of the Hosmer length, you know, contract. Uh, so it seemed like they were bidding against themselves, but it, it that was like the buzz of the offseason. That's what MLB, MLB Network was talking about. You know, they were like, "Oh, the Padres got Eric Hosmer. Wow, this is a big impact thing." And I was excited about the deal because I it, it did signal that the Padres were really wanting to contend and all that, but at the same time, obviously seeing that his his best years were probably not there uh, in the future, especially like now in 2022, when that seemed like the prime window of contention. Now, obviously, that deal has hurt them. Uh, But you still have to give it to Fowler, obviously, starting signaling, you know, wanting to contend and be that playoff-caliber team. And at least make that direction to a playoff-caliber team. And now moving to why I think you saw Fowler uh, now not be with the Padres, have any stakes in the Padres anymore, be a stakeholder in the Padres anymore, is him and Peter Seidler. I don't think that they they were in the same uh, thought. I don't think they had the same thoughts. I didn't think their thought process was on the same wavelength. I didn't think they shared the same thought process and the way to go about things. Ron Fowler, he was the head labor negotiator in 2017 uh, for Major League Baseball side of things during the CBA talks. This lockout that just happened, he was in Florida for those meetings representing Major League Baseball uh, and the owners wanting to not play. He was on the side of Major League Baseball and obviously didn't want to pay the players as much money, young as they, you know, the young players. They didn't want to give the young player. He was part of that group that didn't want to give the young players, uh, you know, fifty million dollars in pre-arbitration pool money. They initially wanted to give him like fifteen million dollars in pre-arbitration bonus pool money. The players uh, in total, uh, so that didn't make the players happy. And so, meanwhile, while Ron Fowler doesn't want to give players as much money as the players want. Meanwhile, you have Peter Seidler's pretty much doing the opposite and giving Fernando Tatis Jr. $340 million before he even plays a full Major League season. So that dynamic between Seidler, who was the main owner, majority owner, wanting to spend money, and Fowler, who was known to not really want to spend as much money as Seidler, that probably created, I would think, some weird, awkward relationship and a relationship that probably wasn't the best now, I'm not here... I don't know anything on the inside. I'm not saying that Seidler and Fowler, like, hated each other. Uh, but Seidler... Now, maybe this is Seidler or the Padres PR staff just recommending this to Seidler and saying, hey, maybe you probably shouldn't talk to AC about this, you know, this story. And give your thoughts about it. You don't need, you know, big headlines about it and take away from spring training. But I think it is worthy to note that Seidler declined to be quoted in Kevin Acey's article. So... Maybe he wanted to say something and he thought better of it. I don't know. But, you know, he could have at least been quoted in the article and said, I appreciate Ron for all he did and all that. And now AC did say in the article that Seidler did, you know, talk about and mention his community, Ron Fowler's community efforts and love for baseball and stuff like that in his time with the Padres. But he wasn't quoted. So I think there is something to that. I think that their relationship... Wasn't as great as it would have been if they were on the same page, money wise. I think that's an attributing factor. I don't. I just don't think Ron Fowler just steps down for no reason as an owner. Like being an owner of a franchise, especially when you're not a majority owner, like so you're not even in control of the day to day. That just seems like a great position to be in. You probably get, I mean you're free tickets. You can go to any game you want. He sits right next to the Pottery's dugout. It just doesn't seem like he would just step down for no reason at all. So that's interesting. There has to be some reason. That's my point. There has to be some reason for him to just step down like this and not have any stake in the team anymore. Uh, and I wrote about this on gaslandballcom There was a quote. I don't have it right now in front of me about – or Rob Manfred was saying in 2017 that – Ron Fowler there was like no one that he knew about that was more dedicated to the labor negotiations and CBA talks in Major League Baseball like among all the owners than Ron Fowler that would be willing to talk to you about CBA talks and all that and so that just shows like this guy is definitely on the side of was on the side of trying to penny pinch a little bit and not paying the players as much as they probably deserve based on the revenue that they bring in um so and Seidler Seidler seems like he wasn't on that side he was the one owner that released a letter append a to letter to the fans when games were canceled in the middle of the lockout saying we hope that this is resolved it's unfortunate something to that effect so he wants He's like he wasn't on the same side as Fowler he was not in those meetings I'm sure secretly he was like come on owners really you don't want to give players you can't just say okay you're billionaires you don't want you know you can't just say okay and let's move on and have a full spring training to reduce injuries and give us more time to form out rosters and all that you can't just say okay we'll give you this not saying that you have to completely fold but I think Peter was more on the players side and all that Um, So I think that's an interesting dynamic, and that that had to attribute to why Fowler isn't an owner anymore, I I think. So that's a big news story. Again, my internet sucks right now. So I'm trying to share my screen, and it's just the spinning wheel of death is just there right now. So I can't even see your guys' comments right now uh, because part of it's cut off a little bit. So... I apologize for that. Um, it's still spinning. I, I can't really do anything about that. I can't even like stop share, trying to share or anything. Um, so I do want to. Thanks for bearing with me. Uh, but we talked about Ron Fowler. Talked about C.J. Abrams having a homer. Cam having a homer in minor league option or action earlier today. Um, and then Jorge Soler goes to the Marlins. Carlos Correa goes to the Twins. Nick Castellanos goes to the Phillies. And Kelly Jansen goes to the Atlanta Braves. I thought those were all pretty interesting deals. Um, Obviously, Jorge Soler, there was reports out this week that the Padres were interested in him. But I don't think that's surprising that Soler doesn't go to the Padres and end up going to the Padres. The Padres only had like $8.6 million of room under that luxury tax $230 million number uh, to have before they get taxed so they weren't going to add Jorge Soler on a three or 36 million dollar contract like Miami was and having they're not going to I was making this point earlier on Twitter if they were going to if they're going to go over if Peter Seidler and the Padres are going to decide to go over the luxury tax they're going to go way over they're not going to just go five million dollars over like the Soler deal probably would have put in them uh, they're going to go way over like Steve Cohen is going to do, you know, like the, like the Dodgers are planning on doing, they're going to go way over, you know, they're not, there's no point in doing what they did last year and barely going over because now they had to forfeit, I think draft picks. And then now they can't go over unless they want to get taxed 30% for how much they go over. So you think they'd want to reset so they can go over next year. Um, so it's not surprising. Obviously with the addition of Luke Voigt and that power, Horry Soler, to me, he's not great defensively. He uh, classifies more as a DH only, like Voigt for me. And while Soler, I guess, can play the outfield, that's not who you want in left field or any outfield position for that matter. And so with Voigt being the DH, there just wasn't really room for him. Um, and so... The Marlins, obviously, they had the money to spend to give to Solaire, so it's not really surprising that Solaire ended up not being on the Padres. And I think all those reports of the Bra- the Padres being interested, along with the Braves, of you know pursuing Solaire, I think for the Padres' sake at least, those went out the window when they got Boyd because now they have that DH. Um, as for like what that means for the Padres, the Soler deal, I think it means FAM to the Padres is more likely or maybe the same amount as likely uh, because that I mentioned that $8 million that they have in room. I think FAM is going to be like 4 or $5 million on a one-year deal, and so that still gives them that flexibility if they want to add a reliever or something like that at the deadline or just get – if something comes up, it gives them a few million dollars of room. And I don't think Conforto would, will cost less than $8 million. And I don't think anyone else that's like a big name that might cost less than $8 million. And Fam already has familiarity with the Padres organization. And Fam, he still hit 15 home runs last year. He's not coming off getting stabbed in the back. Uh, I think his eye issues are probably fine. So you would hope that he would just have a bounce back year, and that's a good thing for the Padres. And then you'll, you can just... Part ways with them after the year right, when he's a free agent. I wouldn't be too down with that. I think Pham's a better hitter than Profar is, and I think having Profar in left field, starting left fielder, wouldn't just hurt the team because of his bat and not, uh, or just his, not even just his bat, but he's not the greatest defender in the world in left field. Um, but it would also hurt because you're, now taking profar out of like that utility role like where if someone gets hurt he can go play that position uh he can go play the outfield he can go play the infield play first base cuz he he has been actually good pretty good defensively at first so if you want to put him in at first late in game somehow and he has good at bats off the bench for a pinch hitter role it just limits the things that profar can do cuz you have him in left field uh, so i think fam is definitely a viable option Uh, But as for the other moves, Carlos Correa and the Minnesota Twins, that was surprising, definitely player-friendly like the Nick Martinez deal. Uh, He's getting paid a lot of money, but it's a three-year deal technically for the Twins. Obviously, they had Gio Urshela at shortstop after parting with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who they had for like one day, traded him to the Yankees with Josh Donaldson. And they end up using that Josh Donaldson money on Carlos Correa. And so now the Twins have really, really improved. I have family out there, so I'm really happy that they get you know, a contender, it seems like, for a wild card spot. I would still put the White Sox as that NL Central leader, or, or AL Central, because um, they're just more overall talented. I think their pitching staff, I mean, they have a great bullpen as well, not as talented uh, as a bullpen. The Twins are, according, you know, comparison to uh, the White Sox. Uh, but the Twins, they add Sonny Gray, they add... Obviously, Carlos Correa, they add Gary Sanchez, they add um, Gio Urshela, who's probably now their third baseman. That's a pretty good infield. You have Luis Arise, who can be the utility guy. If Byron Buxton stays healthy, he's probably a top three to five center fielder in baseball. One of the best outfielders in baseball, period. Um, It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. They still have Max Kepler there, and that's uh, a player that... Padres Twitter is interested in, but that's probably not happening because I think the Twins, obviously, if they sign Carlos Guerrero, a one-year deal, essentially, because he has a player option after this year and a player option after next year, Uh, So and then he's obviously could be a free agent after year three if he ends up going that way, Uh, but essentially signing Carlos Guerrero, a one-year deal, that's how the Twins have to think about it. They're going all in for this year. They want to win, and so taking away Max Kepler, who can hit at the top of that lineup, I would think... Uh, wouldn't be that would be counterproductive to what they're doing, so I don't see that as an option. But I th- that was definitely an interesting move that the twins ended up making. Nick Castellanos, uh, the Padres had interest in him before the lockout. He goes to the Philadelphia Phillies on a four, uh, five year, hundred million dollar deal, twenty million dollars a year, average annual value. And that their defense obviously isn't great, um, but they're adding power. You know, Nick Castellanos, Harper, Hoskins. Uh, Alec Boehm, if you want to think that you'll have a bounce back year, They have Gene Segura there as well. JT Romuto. So it's really top-heavy, that Phillies uh, batting order, it seems like. Nola and Wheeler at the top of the rotation. Then you don't really know what else is after that. So they're an interesting team. If, if the offense is hot, that'll definitely carry them and help them out. And that extra playoff team might help. But I'd still put a lot of teams ahead of them in the National League. The Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants the Braves, the Mets, probably the Brewers right now, maybe the Cardinals. Uh, so that's seven teams right there. So there's, I think their offense will definitely carry them, and we'll see uh, if they add more pitching. Um, and we'll just see. Now, entries might happen, obviously, in the NL East, so that might help them as well. Uh, but talking about the NL East, I mean, the Braves – Mets fans, obviously they can talk all they want about Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom and Chris Bassett and having that top three in the rotation. But Carrasco and Walker guarantees their bullpen isn't very impressive to me. Their lineup isn't very impressive to me, to be quite honest. Lindor did not have a great year last year. Uh, J.D. Davis isn't great defensively at third base and kind of spotty offensively. I know he has power, but he's kind of spotty offensively. It seems like they're going to have to have Dom Smith play left field. And he is not the greatest uh, defensively either. So while they have talented players picking up Starling Marte and former all-star Eduardo Escobar. I like those moves. Obviously Max Scherzer and Steve Cohen obviously willing to spend money. And they created a tax for Steve Cohen. Calling the Steve Cohen tax when you hit that fourth. Uh, like level of the luxury tax uh, I don't think that they're quite there yet So I think the Braves are definitely the class of the NL He's still obviously winning the World Series and I know they didn't bring back Freddie Freeman But they had Matt Olson, And they bring in Kenley Jansen That's another big surprising move You'd think that he would stay with the Dodgers And especially after the Dodgers had Freddie Freeman They seem like the National League favorite right now uh, But the Braves are right after them I would think you know they add Matt Olson. They have an infield of Austin Riley, who had a great year last year. Danby Swanson having a good year last year. Ozzy Ozzie Albies. uh Matt Olson obviously they into an eight year deal. Travis Darnoa catcher. Uh, they have Acuna out there in the outfield. They're getting Marcelo Zuna back. Obviously, you know it was obviously inexcusable what he did, and that got him suspended last year. But he's back a power option there. Um, so they're going to be a loaded team. But Kenley Jansen going there is obviously good for the Padres unless they have to end up playing the Braves and they're in the ninth-inning situation down by a run. But Jansen still, he's kind of come up small, I think, in some big moments, especially with the Dodgers. And But most of the time, though, especially during the regular season, he's really good at that closer position. So that's definitely a positive for the Padres, not having to face him in those big divisional matchups. Uh, but it did definitely add a lot of intrigue when you see Kenley Jansen running into the bullpen and then a commercial break happens in those really close games, Padres-Dodgers, the last couple years. And you're like, oh, this is really intriguing. Is Jansen going to blow it? So we're not going to get that situation um, in division, inner division We could get that April 14th or April 15th or April 16th. Uh, is it a four-game set? I think it's a four-game set. Um, so April 17th which that Braves-Padres game on Sunday Night Baseball that is there on ESPN, the K-Rod broadcast on ESPN 2 as well. So that's a big-time matchup that's happening. So we might see it then, but for division-wise, we're not going to see that. So that's a positive. Uh, but that was a surprising move. Correa the Minnesota Twins was a surprising move, especially when it felt like the Astros were willing to give him a one-year deal or something like that uh, to come back to Houston. I think a long-term deal was floated out there, but Martin Maldonado and Twitter was like publicly courting Correa and all that. But I was surprised they didn't go to back to the Astros if it was going to be a one-year high AAV thing, especially if he was going to go to the Twins where they're not the class of the American League right now. Right? I would still put that as teams like Probably Houston, Toronto. Toronto's really gotten – they've really, really improved this year with Matt Chapman and uh, Kevin Gosman and Kikuchi. and just, They just really added. So I think them, obviously the Rays, uh, the White Sox, uh, the Astros, obviously I think they're still going to be competitive as well in that American League West. The Rangers, I don't think they're there yet, but might maybe they'll contend for a wild-card spot because they have seven – or excuse me, six instead of five teams in the playoffs in each league so just in terms of the landscape of each league there are teams that are you know contending middle middle teams that have really improved their rosters at least middle teams middle of the pack teams last year uh, like the blue jays uh, like uh, the mets last year i know they didn't make the playoffs last year uh, but like the the mets uh, the reds like there are there are teams though That obviously, like the A's, like the Reds, have decided to just go into rebuild mode when they still had some talented guys. Obviously, the A's had Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, and they're just saying, we're going to give up here. They had Chris Bassett. They're just saying, no, we're going to let Bob Melvin go. We're going to give away all of our best players. That's unfortunate. They brought in Starling Marte last year only to just let him go in, uh, in free agency. Yeah, they're getting a lot of good prospects back, but Matt Olson and Matt Chapman are better than any of the prospects are going to get back. Pache, you know, he's okay, but they hes not Matt Olson offensively. Uh, but interesting moves, obviously. Salera to the Marlins, obviously—that's a real—that was going to be a realistic possibility when, once the Padres signed Luke Voigt. Uh, so a lot of topics covered today. Again, I apologize. This internet—it's like Jim Russell's internet right now. It, it's. Not responding. It's still the spinning wheel of death, so I can't even see your comments right now. Um, so I apologize for that. Uh, but a lot covered here today. Episode 130, pre- pre- uh, presented by Gaglion Bros, Cheesesteaks and Subs. C.J. Abrams, Luis Campisano, great days uh, in the minors uh, in spring training. Ron Fowler gone. Kind of gave my reasoning why I thought that probably happened. Him and Peter Seidler, uh, their relationship. And then Solaire going to the Marlins, and some other interesting deals that happened as well. Luke Voigt, again, my reaction to that episode 129. You can go listen or watch that. I'd filmed that early, uh, put that out earlier this morning, uh, as well as a little bit of breakdown on Mackenzie Gore's uh, first spring training start and some of my thoughts that are contradictory, contradictory to a lot of what Padres fans thought in terms of his outing, because I think a lot of fans probably didn't watch it. They were at work or something, and they just saw two innings, no runs, no walks, and they were like, yay. And while that's a good step in the right direction, there's still work to be done, and you can go watch that breakdown that I have on YouTube. I kind of clip—I clip that breakdown out of the episode and put that out. Or you can go watch or listen to the whole video, and I appreciate that as well. Uh, again, Talking Friars, Twitter and Instagram, any questions, any mailbag questions, I can always answer that. Uh, Appreciate you in the comments. Hopefully my internet improves uh, for the next stream, for the next episode. Uh, But yeah, this is episode 130. Hope you guys have a good night, good Saturday night. Ben Fadden signing off here. Have a good night, everyone. See ya.